Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the American Dream in the Eyes of Immigrants podcast. I am your host, Heidi de la Cruz, and today's guest is Louis Bischoff. She is going to be talking to us about her journey being overseas and then bringing her then-fiancé over to the United States. And um, thank you so much, Louis, for being here and being willing to share your journey. Um, so I would like to get started with just a little bit of information about you, your background, and then what events actually led you to move overseas and where were you located? Yeah. So again, I'm glad to be here. And again, thank you so much for the invitation. And I'll start with that, like what led me overseas. So <laughs> I live in Arizona, in Phoenix, Arizona area. And I grew up in the Phoenix, Arizona area. But not only did I grow up here, like my family can trace their roots back, like many generations, more than 200 years to the area on one side of the family. And on the other side of the family, we've been in the state of Arizona before it was a state. So the reason why I'm saying that is I went overseas to Taiwan, which is in Asia, which had nothing to do with my background. <laughs> and um, it is Chinese culture, again, had nothing to do with my background. So in, in the in the very great sense of the word random, I would definitely apply it to my decision to go to Asia and be in Taiwan and be around Chinese culture um, after I was in my mid-20s, so right around that time. So definitely a random decision. Uh, but to answer the question a little bit more de in detail is because actually I did grow up in Arizona. I was looking for something different to do. Mm. My girlfriends from college had studied Chinese and political science in college. And she was saying that she was going to go back over to Asia that summer. And did I want to go? So that is how oh. I ended up there. How long were you there for? Well, I thought, how long was I there for? I thought I would be there for a couple months. I'm like, oh, this will be fun. And yeah. spoiler alert, I ended up staying six years. And um, although he's no longer my husband, met my husband there and uh, learned the language and lived with his family and all sorts of things like that. So. Yes. And we're going to get into that. So, okay. Six years, you thought you were going to be there for a few months. And so you ultimately stayed because you met your, your fiance at that time, correct? Correct. Okay. Okay. How did you guys meet? Uh, well, it's a, it's a really kind of a, a cute story, so to speak. The girlfriend I was just mentioning about had studied Chinese and political science. She got to Taiwan and in the city of Taipei. She got to Taipei a few weeks before I did. And that um, at that time, and she, when I arrived, I think I arrived on Wednesday, which really doesn't make any difference other than when I arrived on Wednesday, she said, by the way, this weekend, we're going to go to the beach because Taiwan is an island with a whole bunch of local people from Taipei Gym with all of these athletes. And I just want to, <laughs> to the beach. So I was like, okay. And, and he was one of the people that went to the beach that day also. Oh, okay. So you guys met and you, did you guys like instantly hit it off or... Well, not really. I did. I instantly hit it off with him. I don't know. You know, I kept <laughs> him. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, my, you know, at, at the time we were both in our 20s and he was a, a Chinese bodybuilder, really athletic and very mm -hmm. kind and and um, generous. And I mean, it seems silly, but one small example is like he went to um, just went to the local 7-Eleven on the corner and brought back drinks like water drinks and sports drinks for for everybody as opposed to just like going and getting it for himself so it's yeah like, oh, wow he's really nice and kind and considerate. maybe i'll talk to him a little bit more yeah yeah okay and okay so you were there years okay so you got there you meet these local people what would you say experiencing you know your your time over there what was your first cultural shock oh i love that question uh because it's a it's a complex question or it can be a complex question. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things, you know, that and I don't want to pretend that I know what it's like to be an immigrant into the United States. Mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. an immigrant in the United States. However, being I, I was an immigrant into another country. Mm -hmm. And one of the most important things that I realized right away on the culture shock was the language. Mm. And, um, because they speak Mandarin Chinese there. And I didn't at that time speak Chinese and going to another country and moving into a country and living in a country and, and figuring out how to work, just like other immigrants who come here mm -hmm. and having to learn another language or, or navigate through that language. I would definitely say that was the biggest and the first um, most uh, relevant cultural shock act, um, action and feeling that I had. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And so learning the language, did you end up like taking classes or did you, or was it your fiance that had helped you at the time to, to learn it? Oh yeah. I love that question. Uh, you know, a lot of times when I was overseas, people are like, Oh, I have this girlfriend because like, this is my like personal dictionary or my personal language. <laughs> language exchange and um uh on a different i mean on a, a just kind of as a side note um, mm -hmm. actually pretty i don't have any statistics or anything but it's pretty unusual for it to be a female um a western female and then a, uh an asian male it's pretty typical to see asian females and western males as a couple in general as Ooh. i said i don't have any statistics but i was just saying that um because that was a lot of conversation i heard from the men who had asian or local girlfriends but to your question i actually did take formal classes and okay. studied every day and went to the formal classes and anytime you're speaking or excuse me studying a language and being able to walk outside the door and use it, it's just so much more useful because it's so practical. Oh, now I can order. Oh, now yeah. I can do something. Oh, now I can have a conversation and tell the taxi driver where I want to go. <laughs> yeah definitely no i asked that because i get a lot of guests that say like you know watching tv or you know listening to english radio like learning english you know as, as a second language they would say that like you know watching tv movies shows um just surround themselves obviously with the english language to be able to learn so that's why i asked was it like you know at official classes or was it you know on um, people helping you but that's that's cool and yes practicing the language is what's going to help you you know keep it and then obviously learn it yeah exactly perfect and so tell us a few things that you liked about living in taiwan yeah so what did i like about living in taiwan or living away from america or living overseas is first and foremost i would say just for me personally i would say 
Um, as a personal growth aspect, being able to be away from my country, be away from America, and understanding or learning or being open, Heidi, to how much of my identity that I thought was me was actually surrounded because I was was the country that I grew up in. That was mm. one of the biggest things that I liked about living over there because nothing about quote unquote America worked over there, right? It's a different language. It's a different culture. It's a different religion. It's different food. It's, it's different everything. Yeah. So I liked that about being able to learn and grow. And then just as like the local culture, what I loved about it, and I know a lot of people say this too, is like, oh my gosh, the food is so delicious. <laughs> Taiwan is an interesting place because there's so many different kinds of uh, Chinese cultures there. So if, if you want to have some spicy food, some Sichuan food, or if you wanted to have some um, Hong Kong food, or if you want to have Thai food, or anyway, I don't need to go on about it. <laughs> But uh, just being able to say like that aspect. And um, I grew up in Arizona in the desert and Taiwan is an island with the ocean all around it. With lots mm -hmm. of So that's another thing that um, was a culture shock, so to speak. But also one of the things that I really enjoyed about living, living there and living overseas, along with the people, just really, really great people, really genuine and caring and giving people. Oh, that's awesome. So just just living over there, was there any like big like life lesson or like something that you really realized about yourself um, while living over there that you didn't realize, you know, living here in the United States? Uh, I think, um, yeah, I really appreciate that question. What did I kind of learn uh, that I didn't realize I was going to learn, right? Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, wow. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I would say that like as a life lesson or personal growth in general or in, you know, kind of overall is just that direction of like, I, I can't control what I can't control. So I just need to show up and go with it. Mm. And so I can't like, I, you know, like even going back to immigration, like I can't control what the government does here or there. I can't mm -hmm. control, um, you know, what other people are doing, or I can't control like, Oh, I can learn the language, but I, I, it takes time. Okay. So maybe I'll just go with the flow and just get on this train or just, you know, show up for this job or be able to not think that like, Oh, I know the way it's supposed to go because it's not. And just being a lot more open and tolerant for myself and just showing up and then being in acceptance and going forward. So those are kind of like, I know they're really big topics, but I would say those, <laughs> that's the biggest takeaway. Oh, no, that was beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, I want to get into the whole process of bringing your fiance to the United States because you stated you lived over there for six years and then you guys moved back here. So what um, brought that decision for you guys to move back to the United States versus you staying in Taiwan? Yeah, I don't know, but, <laughs> you know, like, why did you come back? Or why aren't you staying there? Yeah. Um, I would say that I don't mean I don't know. I mean, we had these conversations and it was important to have these conversations. And the most important reason why uh, we dated three years before we got married and we were actually together 10 years before we had had children. And by the time we came back to the United States, we had been together six, the six years. Mm -hmm. And um, 
And we wanted to be able to uh, start a family and be able to have the family in the United States and not to um, have the family over there. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense. So you guys got married over there? We had a Chinese wedding ceremony. Oh, nice. And so we had traditional Chinese wedding ceremony. And I know that we are on an audio podcast, but, um, you know, I am not Chinese. I am white. And um, so, you know, having a traditional Chinese ceremony and um, the Chinese clothing and all of these different kinds of things, you know, which were not my culture. Um, I'm not saying negatively at all. Just hadn't been exposed to these. And just mm -hmm. up, yeah, and we had a Chinese wedding and Chinese dinner celebration and banquet. And if you ever see any movies or anything, that's exactly what I had and we had. Wow. So is it like a one day thing or is it like a few days of a celebration? Uh, and with the Chinese culture, it, it's one day. Okay. Um, however, it's also kind of like a long, a, I mean, weddings here are also, it's a really long day. Yeah. Okay. So, and then just back to your question on, on like, kind of how did we decide, right? I said to come back to America to have our you know, start a family here, there'd be more opportunities, better quality of life. And then just mm -hmm. being able to, like I said, um, uh, be together and build our lives here. Um, I, I obviously came back to America, but he had never been to America. So mm -hmm. bringing him here was like, you know, congratulations to him and for having that faith of being able to come with us to come with me and, and build our lives here. Yeah, I mean, so he left family, everything in Taiwan to come and build a family here. Correct. Uh -huh. Okay, wow. So can only imagine, you know, well, his, his story and like his emotions and his process and everything. So yeah. in order, so the immigration process, you guys did it here, right? In the United States? Correct. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that process for like those who may not know, like what exactly it entails to actually bring a spouse to the United States. Um, well, I really appreciate the question. I can only speak Heidi from my own experience. Mm -hmm. um, I can't speak anything about the experience that anyone else may, may or may not be experiencing in 2023. Yes. Yes. So most importantly, I would say my experience is that um, the, the, not the hurdle is not quite the right word, but the, um, the area of, of questioning or the area of going through the process with United States immigration was most importantly, what we saw over and over again was them wanting to assure them or the U.S. government that the relationship that he and I had together was a real relationship and a true relationship. And it wasn't yeah. transactional and it wasn't money being exchanged and it wasn't any type of this for that type of a thing. Um, that was our experience. That was my experience. We had to, um, again, in our experience, we had to, of course, file all the paperwork, um, work with the government, go to interviews, go to separate interviews, go to interviews together. And, and the hard thing I would say, even just kind of going back to even kind of your questions about cultural shock or other things about being married to someone from who's an immigrant is, you know, in, in my husband uh, spoke English well, but English wasn't his first language. Mm -hmm. And so, and I know that, um, 
this happens to a lot of people is now you're looking at government documents, which are not regular vocabulary. Right? Mm -hmm. Yes. You're in these government interviews, which are also not regular vocabulary words that people know, or that are just like regularly casual conversations. So I, I know that with us many times in our relationship and during the immigration process, I was acting not, I mean, yes, as a, a translator, and also being able to communicate the the concepts of what the government or what the in, uh, interviewer was asking for and looking for. So, um, you know, I mean, everything, we passed everything because we had all the pictures and we had our relationship was legitimate. But on the other hand, I can see how, like, you know, they would ask a question and we would have, be in the interview together. And then my husband at the time wouldn't understand what the question was. So then I need to explain the question. So, mm -hmm. so and then I know also um, in my experience of, of living overseas, being an immigrant overseas and dealing with another government and other languages, also having a feeling of anxiety and fear and also like, wait, what am I supposed to answer or how do I? Yes. And mm -hmm. I'm scared because if I say the wrong thing, what happens? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I hear that completely because especially with like my family, like we speak Spanish. Right. And then sometimes saying one thing in Spanish and if you translate it literally in English, you're sometimes saying it backwards or sometimes it has a different meaning. So it's like, what if I say something like it's it's right in my language, but then when I translate or try to say it in English, it's like completely wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, no, I definitely I, I understand that completely. Um, so they didn't have someone translate for him like you had to do the translation for him in the interviews. At that time, correct. At that time. Okay. Yeah, it might be different now. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't talked to anybody who's done it recently, but okay. Um, what was, what was, um, part of that process? What, uh, what was something that like kind of opened your eyes about, you know, the immigration system, if anything, um, about the whole process, what was one thing that kind of was like shocking or was kind of surprising what, while you guys were doing all this? Yeah. So what was something that was surprising or shocking to me or to us through the process and the immigration process? Uh, you know, the answer to that is that um, more surprising along the lines uh, of that, again, going back to vocabulary and documents and paperwork and all these different kinds of things, um, that's so tedious and it's so, so, oh, what's the right word, tedious and, and not necessarily, I mean, yes, complex and complicated, but also just really like multi-layered and mm -hmm. the aspect of like, just to your question is just like, I, I just remember so many times, Heidi, just like shaking my head, like how do regular quote unquote, regular people go through this whole process? Mm. So much confusion or in my case, right. I'm a native English speaker. I'm from America. I'm in immigration with my husband and we're working through it and I'm saying, oh my gosh, this is not easy. Yeah. But I'm a native English speaker. So how do people who are not native English speakers, like, wow, just the difficulty and the tenacity that people have to want to be able to uh, move through the system in a proper way. And then mm -hmm. one of the other things too, that I know is true right now 
and there was some of this at that time too, when we were going through the process is that there are advocates and there are resources and there are people who can help. And that's just mm-hmm. a really, really great thing to be able to leverage some of those resources and that help too. Yeah, definitely. I was looking into, um, seeing if I would be able to help with asylum seekers with their application process. Um, I did end up speaking with an attorney, but she told me, you know, you have to be careful because as since I'm not an attorney, you can cross the line of like, you know, providing legal advice. Right. So she was like, the only thing that you would be able to do is just, you know, help translate the, the application because you know, it's, it's hard. Like you have to, obviously you have to answer truthfully, but it's like, what do I answer right on, on, on these things? Cause it's not in the native language. And like you said, the vocabulary is not your average vocabulary and things like that. So yeah, I, I definitely understand um, where you're coming from. Um, let's see here. What is one uh, or sorry, did your husband, once he got here to the United States or you guys are living here, um, did you find him like struggling um to adapt to like the cultural here like the way of life here system here um when you guys you know finally you guys did the whole process so once you guys are settled down and everything did you find him struggle to adapt uh to living here yes the short answer is yes was it difficult or were there struggle or you know cultural um culture shock and the answer is yes and plus um, you know being a biracial couple i'm white he he's chinese um being able to, uh, you know, show up in that space and whatever that looks like. So it wasn't just a case of like, oh, hey, we got married. There's also other things on there. Plus, uh, like I said, language and then religion and things like that, too. But what I wanted to say is that um, um, even about the immigration process is that we had to he it took a while to get a green card. Um, he had temporary status, kind of like you're you're okay to be here, kind of like a smiley face kind of thing. But it took a while to get green card, which then, of course, as we know, restricts your earning ability. And then from there, then it took a while then to get the citizenship. So, I mean, he, he is a U.S. Citizen, citizen now, and that went forward. But being able to say, like, what other things could we do or what other things did he encounter Language, of course, like I said, earning ability um, regarding green card, uh, being able to. um, uh, The other aspect is a lot of, uh, you know, anyone who may or may not remember Arizona politics just for a second. um, We were here when the sheriff of the county I live in, which is Maricopa County, the sheriff was Sheriff Joe Arpaio. And Sheriff, the reason why I'm saying that, Sheriff Joe Arpaio um, was coming down on immigration, um, even though that's a federal area, was coming down on immigration in Arizona and was raiding a lot of places and doing these large raids on different places that had a lot of immigrant um, workers. And the reason why I'm saying that, even though my husband is Chinese, there was a whole lot of racial profiling there was he was pulled over so many times by by the sheriff's county people he was just like he'd be out again just doing some work or doing something and people would 
you know, start to be suspicious of him. And as I said, even though like he looks Chinese and he looks Chinese, um, and he also has black hair and he's not, he's not Caucasian. And mm-hmm. just the aspect about um, dealing with racism as, as a woman married to someone from another country and another culture and, and having to move through that each day uh, uh, in the marriage and in the relationship as well. Oh, I'm so sorry you guys went through that, but, you know, thank you for sharing because, you know, it is your truth. And unfortunately, it is something, you know, that that's happened. Like we hear stories, but it's like, you know, you are sharing your journey, your experience. And I'm so sorry you guys had to go through that. Yeah. And, and I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate the support. The other aspect is, is that it, it really allows me again also to have a little bit of a window, a little bit of a glimpse into the difficulties that other people do face. Yeah. Yeah. And and you by sharing your story here, just on here, it, it really shows and educates those who may not have experienced it, who may not know somebody who experienced it, you know, to just see it's like, hey, like it, you know, unfortunately it does happen and we need to be able to come together to um, be a little bit more understanding and more empathetic to the situations and then and try to help as much as we can, honestly. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I agree. You know, that's being able to be and just uh, uh, as a side note, you know, being able to be in a biracial relationship, having biracial children, um, they're now 18 and 20. But being able to be all of that, you know, gives me more insight and more direction and more uh, feeling and empathy with lots of different people in the world. You know, for yeah. me, live in one world. And and I I believe in more of diversity is a great thing, but I also know that not everyone does. And that's just, yeah. Yeah. So now that you mentioned your kids, I did want to ask, how do you feel them having uh, an immigrant dad? Like, how do you feel like it affected them in any way um, growing up? Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, I can't speak for them. All Mm -hmm. all I can tell you is just from my experience as the mother of the children and and Mm -hmm. the immigrant father, you know, it sounds really silly. um, But the truth is, is my husband didn't, you know, my husband, uh, although I'm no longer married, my my husband didn't grow up in the United States. Okay, fine. I get that. But my husband did not grow up in the United States, meaning That like, for example, like American football is such a huge part of the American culture. (laughs) That's not even anything like he can have a conversation about with anyone. Yeah. And not anything that as a father or of two sons communicate to them about, you know, like, oh, we should try this game or we should do this or you should try to be, you know, any of that. So I'm not advocating to like that American football is great or anything. It's just like a huge part of the culture that like he can't under identify with. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, definitely. And then the other aspect, you know, is that because he also didn't grow up in the United States, he's he's not familiar with the school system. Oh, yeah. With the kids, you know, they would talk to their dad and be like, oh, I need to do this for school. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Talk to your mom. Yeah. Now my kids are are, like I said, 18 and 20 and the 20 year olds in college, the 18 year old is going to be going into college because my husband at the time, you know, my former husband didn't go to college in the United States. He also doesn't have any concept about what are you supposed to do? Yeah. And then what? And then what do I do? And then, 
You know, it's also like, go talk to your mom, figure it out, right? She knows how to do that stuff. But just back to your question is, you know, the aspect of their English isn't their dad's first language. And, and so also working with communicating to their dad, other things, not translating per se, but just kind of having to communicate in a more simple manner, an aspect about that. Um, although he speaks Mandarin and I speak Mandarin, uh, he didn't teach the, the, our son's Mandarin Chinese mm -hmm. uh, and which, you know, okay. I still might be a little bit grumpy about that, but I've let that go. <laughs> and, um, and then just, you know, like I said, cultural things, educational things, different things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, I, I totally can relate, especially with the college thing. Like, mm -hmm. you know, my parents didn't go to college here. So it's like I had to navigate that world on my own. And it was, yeah, it was hard. It's like, it was also confusing, too. It's like, wait, but like, what? Like, how are we supposed to pay for this? There's this and that. And it, it was a lot. So, yeah, definitely can understand um, that. Yeah. Um, I do want to end the episode with you giving, uh, or with you giving the opportunity to share, um, your business and what it is that you do. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> I do, I actually do, I have my own boutique, uh, digital marketing agency. So I own my own little digital marketing agency. And what's actually to tie this all into immigration and on different things and being around in empathy and sympathy and, and diversity is because the work that I do, Heidi, it's um, it's all it's all it's all online. So it's all global. And I have clients uh, from different places in the world. I have people on my team that live in different countries. And being able to have had the experience of living in another country and having to learn new languages and having to interact in a, you know, a close relationship. My husband and I were together for almost 20 years. You know, being able to be in those kinds of situations has made me able to be um, show up and have the um, success that I do with my company by being able to be global and be more interactive with a lot of different kinds of people. So oh. it's called next right thing marketing. And in fact, like today I just brought on a new team member. And so we were working together and just going through different kinds of ideas. And, you know, one of the things I just love to do is be able to teach people and have them to learn things and empower and mentor people. And it just gives me a really strong sense of happiness to be able to do that too. That's awesome. Well, that's that's awesome for being global. Congratulations on that. But like, that's awesome with the work that you do, and and you know, being able to to help other people and and be accepting of the the culture and the diversity. That's awesome. Um, well, I'll include um your website in the show notes. And is there like any social media or anything like that that you want to shout out so people can follow? Yeah, thanks for asking. And is next right thing marketing solutions with an s.com is my website. And Louis Bischoff, uh, if you, because I'm in digital marketing, if you Google my name, you will find me all over the place. Um, and that's L O U I E. And then it's spelled, last name is spelled B as in boy, I S as in Sam, C H O F F as in Frank. So if you Google Louis Bischoff, you will find me everywhere because I'm really excellent at what I do. And it's great to be able to be in marketing and help other people and other businesses grow. 
You guys, she is not lying. I legit just Googled her and she pops up in LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. You are everywhere. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll include those links in the show notes. If anybody is needing to, you know, do business with you, they'll be able to get in contact with you. Louie, thank you so, so, so much for your time today, for sharing your journey, your story, and yeah, and for educating. And I really hope that you know, your story can help someone open up their eyes a little bit in their perspective, just a little bit more into this whole complex immigration thing. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity and being able to share my story. And just like you said, being able to help other people, my immigration story may be different, but it's still the same immigration story. I lived in another country. I know what that feels like. I lived where a place that I didn't speak the language, the people didn't look like me. I know what that feels like. And then being married to an immigrant and going through immigration and the government, I know what that feels like, too. So I really appreciate you being open to this and sharing more information to other people. Yeah, thank you so much. I I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Likewise. Bye-bye. you so much for listening to this episode. Here are a few ways that you can help support this podcast. Share this episode with a friend, subscribe on Spotify, write a review, sign up for the newsletter to get episodes straight to your email, or donate money. If you would like to advertise your business or sponsor an episode, please send me an email. My email information is in the show notes. And if you would like to start your own podcast, I want to be your coach. I can help you with a successful podcast launch in just six weeks. More information is in the show notes. Thank you once again for being here and until next time.